Well, welcome to the Dream, Create, Enjoy podcast. This podcast is an extension of Renaissance. We're a new grassroots church movement getting off the ground in the Boston metro area with a humble vision to empower everyday people, dreamers, creators, and enjoyers of life to showcase the beauty of Christ in our city. Every episode, we'll talk about themes related to that vision and what it means to be the church in our unique cultural moment. To find out more about us, head to wearerenaissance.org. In the meantime, we're glad you're tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Well, welcome to another episode of the Dream, Create, Enjoy podcast. My name is Drew, one of your co-hosts. I'm joined by... My name is Jace. And yes, we are actually wrapping up season one with this episode. Um, We, after kind of introducing who Renaissance was, talked a little bit about our Dream, Create, Enjoy framework as we're empowering dreamers, creators, and enjoyers of life to showcase the beauty of Christ in our city. And so we did a couple of weeks, a couple of episodes actually on dream, uh, a couple on create, and then we're closing out with this is our final installment of enjoy. And we've actually got an interview coming on with a friend of mine, Danny Wright, um, and just excited for our audience to, to meet him and hear him. I actually was speaking at a week of high school camp when I met Danny, and you know he uh, he's just He's a, he's right away. You want to talk to him because he's got the most amazing beard. Um, he's got this deep bellowing voice and he draws you in because he, he's been a part of the Heartland Film Festival, uh, I think, committee. Um, he knows every movie under the sun, has ate at every amazing restaurant. But what I love about him is that beyond all of that and just the, the fun conversations you can have with him is that he is the real deal. Um, he lives it out. Um, is a guy who has lived in some of the least desirable neighborhoods of Indianapolis, loves on his neighbors in some incredible ways, um, does, has done even some bar ministry, um, you know, frequenting bars in his neighborhood, and uh, you know, just has some amazing stories of how he's loved on, those, loved on those people and just been a joyous person showing Jesus in the midst of that. So when we were thinking about who we were going to interview, his, he was the first one that came to mind. And thought, man, our audience needs to hear a little bit of him. He also has, has multiple degrees in spiritual formation. So as, as they're going to hear, he is brilliant and, and can quote people like rapid fire. Uh, You almost (laughs) have to be taking notes to get get it all, but he's a great person. So uh, Jace, I'd love to hear you, you know, uh, we've already interviewed Danny. Uh, Why don't you preview the episode and what stood out to you as we, we interviewed him and what our audience is going to be getting to hear. Well, uh, you know, well, one, he likes to talk, so we won't, we won't spend too much time here on the intro. I think you're going to, you're going to love what you're going to hear. I think your comparison with the beard, uh, I, my image was Dumbledore. That's like the first thing I thought of, (laughs) like, he's so wise and he's just, you're going to, you're going to realize how smart he is. This is my first time meeting as well, but man, the, like the, and he just, the, it just is like, it's on the tip of his tongue and he just comes with all these quotes and knowledge and but yet at the same time, he's just so living it every moment of every day. And I, I mean, I love some of the prayers that he prays for himself. Um, you know, the focus on loving God and loving your neighbor. Uh, and then, you know, towards the end when he, when he's talking about um, just how to live this life and live life to the full and that we should live as though we've been given this gift. Um, 
you know, and be appreciative of the gift from God to live this life that he doesn't want to take it for granted. I think, I think that's just, uh, it's all great. So I think no offense to anyone of your other podcasts or guests, but I love this one. I think you guys are going to enjoy it too. So uh, without further ado, after the break, you will be hearing from Danny Wright. Well, we are here officially with Danny Wright uh, to get to meet him and hear a little bit of his story and have him talk a little bit about enjoying. Danny, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, thank you guys for inviting me. Well, we're glad you're here. Well, first, one of the things we always try to have everybody do is just give a brief version of their story. So we talked a little bit about who you are, um, but you're a much better person to tell your story than we are. So why don't you just real quickly for our listeners, just give a, like a three to five minute version of, of who you are and a little bit of your story. All right. Um, I was, I've been in the church since about nine months before I was born. Um, my mother and father uh, had me in an independent fundamental Bible believing Baptist church um, before I even knew what any of those words meant. Uh, <laughs> I was in the Whirly Bird program. I was in the Awanas program, um, you know, memorizing scripture left and right. Um, my dad says at the age of three that I was, that I told him that I was going to become a preacher someday. And so he basically decided that um, I belonged to God. And so he was going to let me do whatever uh, needed to be done uh, in order to chase that, to chase that dream. So um you know, we all have our parts when uh, the, we all have our sections of our lives when we um, when we dip out on Christ or when we question things or we have our doubts. And and uh, ninth grade was one of those times for me. I was really struggling um, because I hadn't had a girlfriend, believe it or not. That was the thing. You know, I was upset at God because I didn't have a girlfriend. And um, so I kind of went into this dark place. And during all of that uh, you know, I would, I would walk late at night and do all kinds of things. And I was always asking questions of God and, you know, throwing every question I could throw at every star I could find. And, um, <clears throat> so uh, it was during this time that I lost my uh, grandfather and we went to, uh, pound Virginia, little coal mining community right there on the Kentucky uh, border. And, um, my grandmother, uh, was still alive when we got there, but she was actually waiting on my dad to get there. And, um, when he arrived in the room, she passed away. And um, so basically we went to Norton, Virginia by ambulance. She did. And we followed and um, they had her on life support, but she didn't want to be on life support. So basically um, they had the big discussion about what they were going to do. They took her off of life support. And I decided to say with a cousin and her blind husband there in the hospital lobby at two forty-five in the morning, I was awakened to the fact that my grandmother had passed away and we left the hospital to go back and share the news with everyone else. Um, we got, I got into the back seat of their red Chevy blazer and the gentleman said, why don't we turn on that Christian radio station? Okay. Uh, you mean the one from Chicago? Yes. W WCFL. I think it was AM 1000. And they were like, they turned the dial and uh, there was a DJ on the radio that night, Scott McElroy, who said, if you're hurting out there tonight, then this song is for you. 
and he was actually talking to a trucker, but I knew he was also a trucker talking to me. And um, basically what happened was he played the song, Thy Word by Amy Grant. Uh, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and light to my path. Of course, the verse says, but she's in that song. She goes on to sing, whom shall I fear as long as you are near? Please be near me to the end. And I know it was not an audible voice, but I know what God said to me in the backseat of that Chevy Blazer. He said, you give the rest of your life to me and to my word, and I'll take care of everything else. And so it's been a bunch of rising and falling since then of me trying to give everything to him. And, uh, you know, taking back parts and falling on my face and all those kinds of things. So um, it's been quite a journey. I went to school at Johnson U Johnson uh, Bible College, which is now Johnson University. Um, but man, I mean, I've pretty much always been around the church. Even when I was questioning, I was still going to church. I was going to three churches. <laughs> and today I have three jobs. So, I mean, I guess some of those things never change. And so uh, it's been a wonderful journey you know, uh, undergrad, then finally going to graduate school. I was working on a degree in youth ministry and basically uh, found spiritual formation. And I went, oh, there it is. That's what that's what's going to change my life. Henry Nowen, uh, first time I read one of his books, it was like, yeah, where has this been all my life? Um, <laughs> some of the spiritual disciplines, you know, when I started learning about Lectio Divina, I was like, why hasn't somebody taught me how to do that? I mean, I took creative writing in high school. I mean, why didn't somebody say that? Why weren't we teaching creative writing at church? <laughs> you know, and so I started being introduced to all these things and new specialties and, you know, writing a spiritual practice through the Methodist church. I got to be a part of that for a couple of years. I was part of their companions ministry. I mean, you know, all of these things began opening up my, my understanding to a much greater God and a much more magnificent story. And, and uh, there's nothing better than a good story. And uh, we're all caught in the middle of them. And um, I think we need to be paying better attention to them. We need to tell better ones and we need to live better ones. So a lot more to say, but there you go. That's three to five minutes or so. That's actually like five minutes and 10 seconds or something. But there you go. <laughs> That's no, that, that was great. And just a few other small details. So you live in Indianapolis, correct? Downtown Indianapolis. I, do, I do. Yeah, you, you would say, well, most people would say those things, but not Danny. He's telling yeah. the story. So there you go. <laughs> no, that's and great. what are your three jobs? Uh, well, I work uh, at New Paradigm Christian Church uh, in the uh, broader area of Indianapolis. I am a chaplain at three Midas Automotive stores, and I'm also nice. the chaplain at a Christian service camp in Converse, Indiana, called the Ark Christian Ministries. And you're also, I mean, we're going to get to this too, but you're a film junkie, correct? You're also a uh, I absolutely love film, yes. Yes. And you're on the Heartland Film Festival board or something like that? Well, I have been on the Heartland Film Festival uh, Documentary Features Committee for a number of years. But don't tell them because I haven't emailed them this year and told them. I mean, they haven't seen anything <laughs> from me. And I'm going to have to email them pretty soon and go, hey, my life got so busy, I was unable to, uh, um, you know, to follow through with my commitment this year. So I failed this year. Sorry, Drew. <laughs> no, it's all good. Oh, good. So just showing the full repertoire of who you are, how cultured you are, you're doing a little bit of everything. So, well, and I mean, I, you know, one of the, one of my joys is talking, um, is getting to teach finding God in culture. And, um, I'll be getting to do that in uh, a little bit more this, uh, this fall. And I'm really excited about it. And, um, man, I love, I love seeking for God in the unexpected places because, he loves showing up in the unexpected places. Mm -hmm. 
Well, well, actually, we'll pick that theme up because we're going to talk to you about that. But before we do, uh, one of the things we always have our guests do is uh, we have them answer 10 rapid fire questions. So we're just going to shoot, you know, uh, we've we've compiled some some very random questions we'll ask you. So I'll take odds, Jace, you take evens. And and, uh, I'll... We'll start grilling you with these. First thing, yeah, don't overthink it. Just first thing that comes to mind. So some of these I know uh, aren't actually going to be that easy, starting with this first one. So here we go. First question, favorite restaurant you've ever been to? Uh, the Snug Harbor Inn uh, on Lake on Cuca Lake, one of the Finger Lakes in New York. I actually I actually had that one ready for you. Wow. Mm, nice. What- Wonderful place. So as, as someone that enjoys watching things, what's the last thing that you've watched on TV and, and what did you think about it? <laughs> uh, my wife and I are in the middle of watching Dead to Me. Uh, we're in season, I mean, season two and we're right around episode eight. Um, it's fascinating because um, there's so much, um, there's so much that is, that is convoluted in the story. And you start seeing people come close together and then you see them being ripped apart and you start asking these questions about what what is it that really keeps us together as people? And you see the importance of the truth, because when people aren't telling the truth, uh, you start to kind of, you start to uh, appreciate another person. But when you find out their lies, <laughs> you know, there's going to be there's going to be hell to pay. Sorry. I mean, we're going to pay away. You're dead to me. Yeah. 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 Nice. Good. Well, here's a really random one. What do you think of garden gnomes? Uh, garden gnomes, I think they're cute. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I mean, why not? You know, we might as well put something out there. Anything that can scare away uh, rodents is probably going to be good. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what was the last gift you gave someone? <laughs> uh, the last gift I gave someone, I was with a dear youth minister friend of mine yesterday who shared from his bevy of pork and um he uh, he gave me some pork burgers well i had just bought a whole hog recently i didn't need pork burgers but i was on the way to meet somebody who thinks pork burgers are like the greatest thing since sliced bread and i looked at him and said look what i have for you pork burgers so if uh jason ever listens to this thanks jason I promise I gave you the credit. I don't take credit for the big salad. That's awesome. Well, if you had to choose between two superpowers, being invisible or flying, which would you choose? You know, I think I'd go with invisibility. Uh, And the only reason I go with invisibility is because I can get in a plane or a helicopter and fly somewhere but invisibility gives me an opportunity to hear the things that i really wish i could hear <laughs> um, yep you know because I, I i i think one of the most important things is listening to other people and i try to listen well but man would it be a gift to be able to listen well after you left after after you supposedly left a room <laughs> that's awesome that's really good what what movie do you find yourself quoting the most <laughs> um I, you know, I don't know if there's a movie that I quote the most. Um, my favorite movie of all time is No Country for Old Men. Mm. And so I talk about No Country for Old Men all the time. Uh, <laughs> that counts. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, there's always a little Big Lebowski thrown in everywhere. So, nice. uh, <laughs> yeah. so 
Those are two great answers. Ain't no complaining there. Uh, room, desk, or car, which do you clean first? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The only time I'm going to clean something is when you're getting in the car, and then I go, oh, yeah, I really haven't cleaned this, and I apologize. But I would guess, I mean, probably the car, because I do clean the car more often than I ever clean a room or a desk, and I don't want to show you my desk currently. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. You've had a rough day, and you just need some comfort food. What's your favorite guilty pleasure food? <laughs> no, I'm going to say ice cream. Mm. Can't go wrong. Solid now. choice. Um, this is a really random one. You've been given an elephant and you cannot give it away or sell it. What do you use it for? I use it for, um, for travel. It's a so, great conversation I, starter too. Well, yeah, I'm going to get on that bad boy and ride around town and we'll see what happens. <laughs> no, uh, the area, um, the area just north of the camp, uh, Wabash, actually had a an elephant there was a big circus area there and they had they had an elephant get loose and run through some um, buildings downtown and so i don't know i mean it'd be kind of fun to you know be in charge of an area on an elephant yeah why not <laughs> and last one uh what bible passage do you often find yourself returning to the most Shema Yisrael Adonai Lochenu Adonai Echad. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You must love the Lord. And I could keep quoting, but I won't. Uh, the Shema is, you know, when Jesus was asked, what is uh, the greatest commandment? He says, Shema Yisrael Adonai Lochenu Adonai Echad. And then he went into this thing talking about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, all the law and prophets hang on these. And I mean, I pray those things every morning. Uh, before my feet hit the floor so that's that's one of those bible passages i go back to the most and and i believe it's so foundational that we have to go back to it together and i have to even be reminded of it even after i've quoted it because i've already lost it mm -hmm. so that's good so that's a good transition into uh what we're talking about today yeah absolutely well and danny you know well one i was just on a call actually with danny a few weeks ago and you were even talking about that and inspired me and so that has been uh already a habit that i've been picking up these last few weeks is praying the shema every morning before my feet hit the floor um such a you know such a powerful thing um to not you know i think we even just like we we'll grab our phones first thing often you know before we do anything else say hey i'm gonna pray this before my feet hit the floor powerful powerful thing well, Justin, Justin Whitmell early writes in his book, the common rule, he talks about, he talks about pray before the phone, you know, and, uh, you know, scripture before phone, I think is probably the way he puts it, but yeah, you know, all about that stuff, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we're trying and the more I can get myself rooted in that, um, you know, the more effective I'll be in hopefully getting out of God's way. Well, let me transition us to this with this conversation, you know, Jace, I think Jason's brought this up in multiple episodes of our podcast, but you know, one of the things we love to refer to is, um, you know, one of the parables Jesus gave in Matthew 13, um, where he talks about the kingdom of heaven being like a treasure hidden in a field. It's actually the whole parable he gives. There is one verse. Um, when a man found it, he hid it again, goes and sells everything he has so he can buy the field. But there's one phrase in that, at least in the NIV, that I absolutely love. I probably should have looked at the other translations, but I've always loved it where it says, and then in his joy, in his joy, 
he went and sold all that he had. And one of the things we talk about is one, shouldn't Christians look like they have found the treasure? Uh, you know, if we're going to claim to have life, shouldn't we be the most alive? Um, and shouldn't joy be part of that? You know, that, that feeling, you know, comparing to what Jesus just said. So what I want to talk, have you talk about is why aren't Christians more full of joy? And why do you think that is? And how do you think we begin to, to change the course? Well, that's, that's a big question. Um, but you know, as I think about it, um, I, I mean, one of the things I think is that um, Margaret Feinberg wrote a book called Wonderstruck. And in that book, she talks about the fact that we need to be awake and aware of the, of the, of the wonder of the presence of God. And I think it's very easy for us to forget that God is present. Um, you know, I was taught from a very young age that God is omnipresent. <laughs> and yet we live our lives as if God is not present wherever we are. It's so easy for us to, um, to get lost in the details of life as it's coming at us and to forget our foundation, to forget our base, to forget uh, our baseline. Um, so, I mean, I think that's one of the big things is that we need to be awake and aware of the presence of God. Um, it was Sam Storm. It was, um, it was Saint. Uh, I can't even remember. I guess it's Pierre Taylor de Chardin. Um, and some other people give other people credit for this, but he says joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God. And, and yes, if we are not joyful people, something's wrong. God gives us life and breath and everything else. Paul says in Acts 17, and then he says, in him, we live and move and have our being. And yet for some reason, we lose the ontology of it all. And we get lost in, in all of these other things. You know, Kierkegaard talks about the fact that, that we need to, if we don't live this thing, then it's not a real thing. And so I think we've just, we allow things to get stuck in our heads and they never migrate to our heart. And if they migrate to our heart, they never migrate to our hands and feet. And so we've really missed this opportunity of living out what God has given us. Um, so anyway, um, I think I agree with you. You know, what is it? The Westminster Catechism that says the glory of the glory of, um, you know, that man fully alive is the glory of God. And and yet we don't live. Jesus promised us, he said, he said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And yet all we continue to do is we keep getting lost in the wretchedness and the miserableness of everything that is around us. Our eyes are not in the proper direction. We haven't fixed our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We haven't run with perseverance, the race. We're basically just slogging along. And so, um, I've gotten probably lost in all of those things I said, but I mean, that's, I mean, I believe that's a huge part of it. Um, when you asked the, uh, or you, you brought up, you know, John 10, 10, we, we referenced that in, in our, uh, previous podcast about enjoy, but what, and, and we kind of talked about that a little bit, but we would love to just hear from you. What is it in your eyes? What images conjure up when you think of living life to the full? Like, what does that, what does that mean? How does that, how do we as Christians, live life to the full and what is that how does that you know look out in culture yeah i think i think one of the things that it looks like is that 
we are the seekers. I think we've missed for a long time what seeking really is. Um, you know, in Jeremiah 29, it says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. I used to tell students when they would come to me and go, well, I haven't found him yet. And I would just look at them. I mean, I always give long answers to everything. And you'll see that here in a minute. You'll be like, oh, I hope this computer runs out of battery. Um, but anyway, it's this idea that um, I used to, I would just look at students, and give them a short answer. Well, then you haven't looked hard enough. And so we're not looking hard enough. And, and we have drawn a line between sacred and secular, which does not exist. You know, I mean, we have missed, I mean, basically we're, we're, you know, we believe in a, a docetism because we don't believe that Jesus really came and that he, you know, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory of the, as of the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. We don't realize what that incarnation does. It changes everything. And it opens the door for us to be able to experience God here, there, everywhere. I mean, um, you know, it was Moses who finally turned aside to see that burning bush. And when he turned aside to see that burning bush, God says, take off your shoes because the place where you're standing is holy ground. And I was reading somebody's article earlier today. Isn't it all holy ground? Well, yes. And we don't notice because we're wearing too many shoes. And so we need to become more discalced and we need to take off our shoes and realize that everywhere we go, and I think we're on a God hunt. That's our treasure hunt because he's here, he's there. And, and we, need to, we need to find the greatest joy in looking for him in the places where everybody expects him not to be. And especially if anybody says he is definitely not there, I'm going and I'm going <laughs> to find him there and I'm going to prove you wrong. Uh, because the thing of it is, I mean, you know, scripture teaches us that God wishes that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. So he's out there constantly sending these messages. Elizabeth Barrett Browning says, earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round and pluck blackberries. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I like blackberries. Blackberries are good. You know, they're good for jam. They're good for jelly. They're good for, you know, they're good for fruit just by themselves. Um, they're good for all these things. Great for pies. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to pluck blackberries when I could feast on the divine. And so I go out knowing that God is going to show up and that God is going to, that God is going to appear, you know, when I walk into a bar or that God is going to appear when I go into that next restaurant and they present to me that thing that they have perfected, you know, and they put it on the plate in front of me and I go, Oh my goodness, this is how I can taste and see that the Lord is good. And I'm finding that, you know, and, and I mean, I love turning on, I mean, you can turn on Christian radio and listen to it if you want to, and that's fine. I don't want to ever listen to Christian radio. <laughs> I, I want to listen to Rage Against the Machine, and I want to find God in, in you know, in uh, their search. And I want to hear the angst, and I want to, you know, be connected with that. Um, I believe Jesus was a great noticer. And that was something that was, I mean, he noticed, he listened, and he loved. And so when there's this noticing, you know, Matthew 9, 35 through 38, Jesus saw the crowds as harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. Splunk needs a mind in the Greek. In other words, he didn't just see them from a distance. He felt their pain in his gut. And so my job as, as a follower of Christ is to go out into the world 
and to notice as Jesus noticed, to listen like Jesus listened, to provide a safe and sacred space for people to belong, to be wrong if necessary, and then to be able to allow that love to be transformed into that setting and let God do what God does. That's seriously, that's amazing. Like, I was like, that's five podcasts worth of material. You just wrap it up. That's pretty so remarkable. many questions. Yeah. No, I, I think some incredible quotes there. Well, you, you kind of referenced really quickly some of the small ways, like when I head to a bar, when I head to a restaurant, when I'm listening to art that our culture is producing. Why don't you give some specifics? Because I know, you know, one of the things that when I first met you uh, that I think just drew me in, I think this probably happens to you a lot but that you are just so authentic and are just quite okay living life in the margins and, you know, uh, just befriending and caring for people, no matter what their walk of life is or where they're at. So as you think through maybe some personal examples, when you, you know, so we can maybe even make it not just theory, but really practical here for our listeners. What, what's, what's going through your mind as you go through your day to day, um, what are some practical tips that you can give? You know, you're talking about noticing and really connecting with, with people, no matter where you're at, the same way Jesus did. What does that look like in, a, in the daily life of Danny um, as you're in your bars, your restaurants, your neighborhood, whatever it is? You know, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question. So, I mean, <laughs> a roundabout thing. I, I think one of the biggest things is Danny has to remember to shut up. <laughs> Um, I like to talk, I like to read, I like to learn, and I like to do those things. But when you go, and so I think, I think that's the hugest thing. You have to go into every one of those settings with the willingness to listen and to learn from people who might tell you something about you, you know, that you already know. <laughs> I've got it. I was in Bosnia one time and I, um, I was at a monastery um, and we had, two of us large Americans had been in the backseat of this small European car, probably a Yugo. And, you know, here we are riding in the back of this car and we had a flat tire on the way to the monastery. So um, they decided they were going to get rid of one of these fat guys going back, you know, and they were going to send them back with, with some random stranger. And the guy's name is Jelko. Okay, so Jelko looks at me and he says he wants to take me and show me the countryside and he wants to tell me the whole history of the Serbian people because he wants to know what I thought about the Serbian people, so forth and so on. I met him a couple days later in the week and he gave me a bracelet that looks just like that one with the cross on it. And it's a Serbian Orthodox prayer bracelet in which you pray the Jesus prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. In Serbian, it's Gospode Asuse Hriste Pamelume. And so in that particular coffee shop, he looked at me and he says, have you ever heard of the Jesus prayer? The answer to that question is yes. I had studied spiritual formation in seminary, but he looked at me and he said, have you ever heard of it? And I went, tell me about it. Because see, we have to be, we have to be inquisitive and we have to be interested. We have to live questionable lives like Michael Frost says, but not just live a questionable life in the way that we've chosen to live, but we should ask a lot of questions too and wait long enough to have real answers. And I'll never forget, he started explaining to me how to do the Jesus prayer. And I was able to see it in a way that I'd never been able to see it before. Um, you know, I'm thinking about 
you know, you go into a bar and you, you've got, you know, you sit down at the bar and, you know, you've got your life going on. You might be upset about this or upset about that, but you know what? That stuff has to be put aside at this particular moment because I've come in and I have the, I have the gift of being able to sit across from another human being who's going to look me in the eye and is going to ask me what I want to drink or ask me what I want to eat. And I get this opportunity to develop that into a conversation. See, it's not about a transaction. It's about a relationship and it's always about a relationship. And so how can I, how can I further this concept of a relationship with somebody else? You know, you'll end up sitting in a bar and, and if you continue going to the same place, I mean, that's one of the things that's important too. Stabilitas is important. You got to go back to the same places. You have to be around long enough to have, to have the opportunity to develop a relationship. And so, you know, I, I remember being in this one particular bar, I went there on a regular basis uh, ended up really getting to know the bartender. Uh, you know, he made a great drink. Uh, and he also, he also could spin a good yarn and, and he was just a fun guy. He was into all kinds of heavy metal, liked Wu-Tang Clan. I'll never forget that. We spent a lot of time talking about Wu-Tang Clan. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, I realized he doesn't have a car. Well, <laughs> you know, if we're going to pay attention to people enough, you know what? We're going to end up finding out where their needs are. And you know what? We get the opportunity to fill the gaps on those needs. I loaned him a car for three months. I felt so bad when I took it back because he still didn't have a car, but I had to give my daughter a car because she'd just gotten her license. But, you know, I mean, it was one of these things. And then months later, when I'm not even going to that bar, I get a phone call from him. Because we had actually built something that I hope is going to last a little bit longer than you know, than a drink or than those uh, Buffalo tenderloin salads I used to eat at that <laughs> so, um So I have another question on practically speaking, you know, we talked about finding the treasure in the field and that we should be people who act like we've found the treasure. And I just would like to hear your perspective. What, what for you are the distinguishing marks of someone who looks like they found the treasure and for all of our, you know, what would be your encouragement to people? What could we do? to be people of joy and to live into that more, you know, for the person that maybe like, okay, Danny, yeah, you went to seminary, but what about me? I'm just in my office job and now I'm working from home and I'm a teacher and a, you know, all this other stuff. And I'm, you know, out with my neighbors, what does it look like to live like you found the treasure in the field and, and how can we live into that more? Okay, so I've, I've looked up some quotes on joy. I spent some time with, uh, with our staff at the camp this week talking about joy. So let's talk about a couple of these things. Mm -hmm. uh, St. Francis of Assisi once said, spiritual joy arises from purity of heart and perseverance of prayer. Um, so I, I can't hear the words purity of heart without thinking about Soren Kierkegaard, who said that the purity of heart is to will one thing. And as I looked into that a little bit, it was talking about willing the one thing. It's about holiness. It's about willing the goodness. It's about willing the good that needs to happen in order to bring honor to God. So, so I believe with St. Francis uh, that spiritual joy does arrive from a purity of heart. You know, that we've got to, we've got to get back to that one thing. You know, speaking of movies, you guys are, some of you, I mean, you're too young for this, but years ago there was City Slickers and City Slickers, um, Billy Crystal's character is trying to figure out the meaning of life, you know, and he's out on this dude branch trying to figure this thing out. And, 
and Curly, the old grizzled cowboy that's leading these guys around, you know, after they give birth to a calf, if I remember right, you know, he looks up and he goes, man, you, you just always seem to know what to do and you seem to have it all together. And, you know, what is it that, you know, what is the meaning of life? And Curly just holds up one finger, one crooked finger. And he says, this is the meaning of life. He goes, what, your finger? No, you have to determine that one thing. And so, I, I mean, I think we need to realize that spiritual joy arises out of a purity of heart. So we've got to stop allowing ourselves to be scattered and divided. And we have to be people who, who love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. Francis goes on and he says that spiritual joy also comes out of perseverance of prayer. And I thought that was interesting. Guys, you know the verse I'm thinking about. <laughs> it's God's will for our lives. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ, you know, in Christ Jesus. So we're supposed to be joyful. We're commanded, by the way, over and over and over again in the scriptures to be joyful. So uh, if we're allowing that word, which uh, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, that pierces even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and judges the thoughts and tents and attitudes of our heart, if we're allowing that word in our lives, if it's becoming our flesh and blood, if it's becoming our sinew, our nerve, our muscle, if it's becoming our skeletal system and structure, then, you know, it should, then we're going to be joyful people. We're going to pray always, and by that... We're always going to be able to, um, sorry, I got a phone call uh, okay. trying to get that off my screen. Um, anyway, um, so you've got this, you know, sorry, that just totally messes up everything. Um, Law and order, there we go. Yeah, there it is. Um, so, perfect. So, so if that word, if that word is coming in, uh, then it's going to, you know, if it's going to be that structure, then we're going to be the kind of people who pray always because we need to keep a constant conversation. And by the way, prayer, I always like to mention this, it involves at least two people and it involves talking and listening. So we're not very good listeners in our culture. So again, there's that listening concept again, but perseverance in prayer. So let's add to that though. Uh, Mother Teresa says that, um, that a joyful heart is the normal result of a heart burning with love. See, if we are the loving people that we have been called to be, that we love first, and if we love regardless, and if we love unconditionally, then I think we're going to meet people where they are. And she also even says that joy is a net of love by which we catch souls. So I believe that that's hugely important. So this joy, that in his joy, we find that's when we go and we commit everything and we sell everything and we are sold out to living this life. That's not mine. That might be one of the biggest problems. And one of the biggest obstacles is we're still trying to live our lives and we're not living the life that Christ has called us to live. We're not allowing ourselves. Paul says it. Uh, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me and the life, which I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have to die to myself so that I can live a real life, an abundant life. Because guys, when I make my choices, they're always going to still be the wrong choices. Hmm. And I can prove that by the way I've lived recently. <laughs> no, so I, I don't I, know. I, I got off of there a little bit, but I mean, I wanted to share those, those concepts. 
you know, here's another thing. Find ecstasy in life. The mere sense of living is joy enough. So why are we not appreciating? Oh, yeah, this is the other thing that really goes in there that I forgot to mention. I, I talked about, uh, I forgot to end the last part of that verse. It says, and give thanks in all circumstances. Gratitude leads to joy. Mm-hmm. And we are not thankful people. Because we're always longing for something more because our culture has trained us to realize that we are not enough and that what we have is not enough. And so we have to be those kind of people who accept what we have. Drew, you said earlier, I try to, that I'm okay with living in the margins. I got to be honest with you. If I'm not in the margins, I'm not on the edge ready to find the next great thing that God is sending me, ready to meet the next great person that's going to transform my life. I called, I called one of my old spiritual directors this morning and I talked to him about, I said, man, I shouldn't be talking to these guys because my life, I mean, I usually think I am a pretty joyful person. I live in this abundance of life that Jesus offers us, but lately I've been so drained. And he told me about the dark sucker theory of light from science. I had no idea what the dark sucker theory of light was <laughs> from science. But it's the idea that light doesn't, and I mean, and it might be bad science, but that's okay. It's still great spiritual formation. He says that light, they believe that people who believe this theory believe that light does not emit light. It actually sucks darkness. And he, and, and when I read about it a little bit more on the internet, it talked about this uh, rechargeable batteries are a perfect example of this. Once they sucked every bit of light I mean, once they've sucked it all in there and they can't take anymore, you have to recharge them. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, I'm not recharging like I should. I'm not being refreshed like I should. Mm. And so now I've got a whole new world because I'm always ready to find that next thing that God is sending because I believe he's always sending the messages and always drawing us to himself as well as all of those we are meeting. I, I, I love what you're saying, and I think it's an important, you know, maybe even just cement that and clarify it for our listeners. I love the progression of what you're saying there. Joy is the byproduct, as you're saying, of truly devotion to God, loving him, leaning into who he is, um, prayer, prayer, gratitude being a part of that, beginning to connect further and further with him. And it's going to be an outpouring then, even connecting to that Mother Teresa quote of, I'm now going to start because he's reshaped my heart. I'm now looking externally and I'm looking to not only pass on that love, uh, but begin to just see the world around me with the same lens that my heavenly father does. How can I not be joyous then? Right. Um, and so joy is not just something we decide like, Oh, I'm going to be joyous. It, you know what? I love what you're saying. And I think this really gets at the heart of who you are with spiritual formation and discipline that joy is going to be the byproduct of being a person who is disciplined in chasing after God. And the more that I do that, you know, even what you were just saying, the more the darkness is going to kind of get sucked out of, out of my heart, the negativity, the cynicism, and I'm going to be it's able to chase out of the world around us. I believe. Yep. Um, you know, um, I was thinking, I had a thought. Well, I think I've already lost it. I mean, well, that's- and I was, I was, just, it, it conjured, you know, we, we keep coming back to the treasure in the field and, and you mentioned it earlier, Jan, but you know, you'll find your life when you lose it, when you give it up. Yeah. And if you think about that story, he sold everything he had because he found the treasure. And what I think what we're trying to say is you, you can't just like turn on the joy switch, 
you know, it required the guy found the treasure in the field and he sold everything he had. He gave up his previous life because he found the true treasure. And I think that there's some, you know, there's some dying to ourselves that has to happen for true joy to be found and the, and the gratitude that comes with that. So I think that story is a yeah. perfect illustration of, yeah. of what we're trying to talk about. I think it is too. Uh, I read something by Piper today that I thought was interesting. I had always heard that that joy was the decision of the will. He says it's not a decision of the will. He says it's an emotion. It's a feeling. But I love. I, I'm not so. I'm not sure what all I think about of that. But I, I know I loved what he said after that. It is. I mean, it's one of the fruit of the spirit. Fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, mm-hmm. long suffering. Joy. So what he says is that it's that it's the Holy Spirit who gives us joy in our mm-hmm. hearts, and as he works in our heart and allows us to be able to see the work of Christ, the work of God in his word and in the world he has created. I thought that was amazing. So to be able to understand that I can get this gift from the father, again, one of the things I always say in, in premarital counseling is that I tell, I tell people, I say, when you pray a prayer that honors God, his answer is always yes. (laughs) And so if we pray a prayer, Lord, bring about the fruit of the spirit in me. What's going to happen when we connect with God's, you know, this Holy spirit is going to work in us. And then we're going to be able to see the work of God in his word, as well as his world. Hmm. And I really appreciate that Piper mentioned the world because I, I mean, I, I just think that one of the things we so desperately need to understand is that we've got to go. Um, I know you guys know all about the whole party throwing mentality of, um, you know, of, of Hugh Halter. And I, I really do want to read that book someday, Drew. Um, but I tell you what I really think about is I know that, I know that we need to throw better parties, but I got to be honest with you. I think one of the main things we need to learn to do is to be a better party goer. Hmm. Um, because I mean, that's what it's all about. And, and when we show up as God's people, we should be like spiritual Emerald Lagazis. Okay, we're supposed, to, we're supposed to bam a party. And when we bam the party, we kick it up a whole nother notch because we are the people who understand the gifts of God are for the people of God and that they expand in us. And when we meet those gifts with the excitement and with the pleasure that our God wants us to meet them with, man, how are we not going to make every party we ever show up at, at better? Because we should be the ones who know how to eat better. We should be the ones who know how to drink better. We should be the ones who know how to love better. We should be the, the ones who know how to laugh better. We should be the ones who, I mean, and this should be everything about who we are. When we show up, we're not the people who bring the party down. You know, Frost tells a story. It's either Frost or Hirsch. I think it's Frost. Tells a story in one of his books about a Baptist preacher that comes to him and talks about the people next door that have the, um, they have, you know, this guy next door always throws these poker parties. And in his poker parties, he messed the, he makes the best margaritas in town. And so he asked him if, you know, he asked him about the margaritas or whatever. And the guy goes, well, I, my witness to my neighbor is to never show up at a party that has alcohol in his poker. <laughs> and, and he says, well, how many times have you had a spiritual conversation with your neighbor? Well, never. He said, well, why don't you just go to the party next time? He went and he drank Coke, okay? For all you Baptists out there, he drank Coke. <laughs> so he did a margarita. Uh, and said, in those two hours, he had more spiritual conversations than he had in the last couple of years. I, I mean, we've got to be party goers. We need to go and 
and find the party. And a party doesn't happen to just be a party. You know, he talks about that concept that a party is any social gathering where friendship can be developed and, and where we can actually meet people where they are. But you know what? We're not very good at meeting people where we are because we're not usually where we are. We're usually somewhere else. That'll preach right there. That's that's that's, that's gold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, why don't we just end on this last last thing here uh, as we're wrapping up? Is this might come as a shock because not everybody knows you. You know, you've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but you know, you you are someone who is deep in spiritual formation, is as well read as anybody I know. Um, you know, I think any of our listeners have already picked up on that. And yet you do not take yourself seriously at all. Um, I mean, your Instagram is what, like Yeti monk or something like that. And you, yes, yes, pictures of you and your Birkenstocks and like a choir robe all over the world. Uh, So uh, that would be my last thing, you know, just last tip that you would give as part of just being, being a joyous person, not taking yourself too seriously. What would be your advice on other, on our listeners, just not taking, themselves or life too seriously and just having a great time. Well, um, Shana Nyquist uh, says, I I love this. She says that she wants to make God belly laugh every day. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Which is, which is good, but it gets better because she says, not only does she want to make God belly laugh, but she wants to make God thankful that he gave life to someone who appreciates the gift. Mm. And so, I mean, that's what I'm trying to do. I want to be someone who loves the gift of life, who breathes deep the breath of God and is experiencing every moment to its fullest. I, I, I want to be able to be the kind of person who, um, who knows what it means uh, to be fully alive. And, and I think that is cool. It's cool to be able to be that person. You know, I, I don't have to start talking about God with my mouth because hopefully my life is already talking about God. And I'm loving so well that, that the conversation just continues. And, and I think that's huge. So I want to be somebody who, um, who lives like I love the gift of life. I, I often pray, um, and thank God for the gift of life and for the gift of life shared together. And so I believe it's all about um, receiving what God gives us and, and going back to the world with that gift. Well, that's it for this episode of Dream, Create, Enjoy. We hope you feel challenged and inspired. While we welcome any listeners, this podcast is really for those in the Boston metro area. If that's you and you want to know more about us or want to connect to what's going on, check us out at wearenaissance.org.